Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Hello. Oh, she uh, walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. Woo. Walk it like I talk it. You. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. Woo. Walk it like I talk it. Hey. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like yes, I talk it. Yes. You are in. Thank you so much for joining. I, this one might be one of the most important listens of your life, at least on this broken planet. And some of you have lost loved ones, and it hurts profoundly. This broken planet can be brutal and unfair. We've talked about it so many times, but we haven't talked enough about life after death. And some of you definitely need hope, and you need evidence. And that's exactly what we tackle here. Here is your play of the day. The play, the play, is no play. of the day. Check this out. Swung on and hit in the air to right. <laughs> and that ball is gone. And it- Thanks so much for having me, Jim. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, it's great that, uh, you know, in so many ways you have spent 35 years compiling near-death experiences. Maybe a good place to start for the listener is what defines a near-death experience? What is it? Yeah, well, what I tried to focus on were the ones that uh, – where someone clinically died, you know, they they had a heart attack, their heart stops beating, brain waves cease, and yet they are resuscitated. Um, sometimes a few minutes after, sometimes thirty minutes, sometimes an hour and forty-five minutes, even, uh, and they come back talking about the experience of the life to come that they say consistently was more real than this life. That's amazing. Um, I want to make sure, too, uh, your background, I mean, you were a skeptic of Christianity, uh, but in doing this work over the last 35 years, it played a significant role in you coming to accept Christ, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I was, a, I was an agnostic. Um, I, I didn't know if I believed in God. I thought Jesus was just probably a good teacher, you know, blown up into something he wasn't. Uh, I didn't know if there was an afterlife. I didn't really care. And then my dad got cancer and someone gave him the first book uh, that was the the original research that coined the term near death, death experience. And I read it in one night. I saw it in his nightstand. I picked it up. I read it in one night. And so many of them talked about seeing God, this God of light and love and Jesus that I said, oh, my gosh, this God, Jesus stuff may be real. And if it is, there's nothing more important. I, I have since gone from a, a career in engineering, uh, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm analytically science-minded. That's the way my, my mind's wired. But I went from that into um, ministry. I was a missionary. I have been curious, what are those experiences people have? And more importantly, how do they align with what the Scripture says? Eventually, I've studied over a thousand of them. And started to see commonalities and started to see the alignment and found, which uh, I hope we'll talk about, some interpretive keys. And I wrote Imagine Heaven really for two reasons. One, to show uh, skeptics like I was, there is verifiable evidence for this. But secondly, to uh, show how much it aligns with what the Old Testament prophets and, and Jesus have said in the Bible all along. Important that we address it because, you know, the Gallup poll found that one out of 25 Americans has had one of these experiences. That's I, I found that yeah. extraordinary. Say that again so listeners grab it. 
Yeah, over 13 million Americans have had one of these experiences. And by the way, surveys done in Europe have found the same, huh, about the same percentage. That seems so high. Yeah, well, it's not uncommon. But, you know, for, for the Christian, I think this is really, really important. Mm. Um, sometimes we reject and push away things we don't understand without asking the hard questions and trying to wrestle through the mystery of it. At the same time, uh, I am skeptical of any one of these experiences. Uh, and, and I think it's very important to realize that all of them are interpreting an experience that is truly out of this world. The way I like to describe it is uh, imagine if this entire experience, we, we live in three dimensions of space, one dimension of time. So four dimensions. Imagine if our entire experience is being lived on a flat black and white painting on the wall, right? Death means separation, right? Our, our, our soul is separated from our physical body. So imagine you're ripped off that flat two-dimensional black and white photo and you come out into a three-dimensional reality of this room that was all around you all the time. You just couldn't even fathom it because you didn't have a third dimension and there's color. And then imagine being pressed back into the flat black and white photo and you have to describe color and three dimensions in two-dimensional black and white terms. Yeah. Features of the stories that you collected, and they're, they're generally common amongst all near-death experiences. What are those common denominators that you found in your research? Yeah, so maybe just taking you through it. When, when people die, uh, they say that they, they leave their body, but they still have a body. So they're, they're out of their body, but they have a, a spiritual body. And, um, and they talk about how it's, they don't even realize they're not themselves. In fact, they feel more themselves, more alive than they've ever felt before. And not with just five senses, they say more like 50 senses and they have arms, legs, you know, they can, I mean, we're, we're, we're ourselves. It's life abundant. (laughs) Here's the thing is that initially uh, they say they, many of them are, are in the room still where they're being resuscitated. And we can come back to that. But that was actually what convinced me as a skeptical engineer and what's convinced so many skeptical doctors, cardiologists, oncologists, uh, surgeons, that there's something real here. Then people often witness their resuscitation. Uh, then they say they, they travel. And it's a little bit different for, for different people. Some are say, say they go through, it's kind of like a, a tunnel. Some, uh, it, it was like a pathway of light. Some, it was like through space. Uh, and they come to a place of incredible beauty, not unlike earth, you know, grass, trees, flowers, mountains, rivers, streams, but they're experiencing it in new dimensions. Like I, like I said, new Heightened. dimensions of time, new dimensions of space, heightened everything. What they commonly come back and say is that this world is really the shadow of that world, which interestingly, I found in in Hebrews 8 that God actually says that he has he has Moses construct the tabernacle and he says it is a copy or shadow of the real one in heaven. Let me ask you, John, uh, one of the stories, and there's many, obviously, your book is packed with people who went through this experience. One of the early stories in the book talked about, I think, a child who 
you know, flatlined, died on the table, et cetera, at this hospital. They had the experience of being out of their body. But they mentioned to the doctor and the nurse when they brought this person back, this child back, that they saw a shoe either in the on the roof of the hospital or in a window. I can't remember exactly. But the doctor said to the nurse, go check that out. And sure enough, there was a shoe, a tennis shoe, if I remember correctly, that the child saw in that experience. And they found it, correct? Yeah. And, and, and to prove these were myth. So he set out to prove that this, this can't be true. But after five years of, of studying it, and as a cardiologist, he said what convinced him was so many of them recounting to him what he did during resuscitation. He said, I could have taped it and used it to teach physicians. And they couldn't have known that. And, and this is what's uh, quite honestly such a shame is that Christians have not spoken into it. And unfortunately, Christians early on as this research was coming out didn't understand it. Man, if you could tell, normally I only share like a minute to recording when, it, when something grabs my attention. And uh, first of all, thank you, God, for a piece of the puzzle here. Those that listen to the previous podcast is this world can really suck. And it, and it can. It's a broken planet. And, and you've heard us say over and over uh, through the multiple episodes, this isn't it. There is a greater promise. But we really haven't done a good job talking about heaven yet in, in this life after. Or we talk about the promise. We all know that. We talked about John 3.16 plenty of times in the code. Um, but we haven't really talked about really what is heaven and, and addressing the skeptic's mind. What I loved about this one is so riveting. And by the way, I'll have the entire link up where, uh, where to find this on Focus on the Family was this one. It was aired on December 2nd. Uh, this guy was a skeptic. This guy was an engineer. This guy did not believe in heaven. Um, started hearing enough of these stories that, uh, well, now you heard it. There's been 13 million Americans. I, I, we love numbers. We love stats. You know that. We're not afraid of science either. You got 13 million Americans roughly that have died and been resuscitated and have been able to account for this. We have a cardiologist, cardiologist who was an atheist who was definitely going to go after and prove this wrong. His pride was in his way. And after he interviewed all his people he resuscitated and those that had that out-of-body experience and told him exactly what he did, that he could have written that manual of how to properly resuscitate someone from medical school is quite remarkable. You have the kid floating above uh, the, the floors of the hospital and saw the shoe that was on that window ledge a couple floors above him. Um, this goes on. And by the way, for the older dudes, we, we tackled a book by Dr. Ben Johnson, who was a pastor, very smart pastor, Oxford trained, Cambridge trained, ended up becoming a pastor. He was so moved by his own personal experiences, because you can imagine a pastor has to deal a lot with uh, counseling people through death, uh, sickness, and, and, and those that end up passing, um, and then those that were resuscitated. He had so many of his own personal experiences that he had to go there. So, um, enough of me, <laughs> more of the dudes, and, and for you to contemplate. Um, Rod, I, I, I got you on deck. You just shared something important. Uh, I don't know how deep you want to get into it, but listen, we all will panic when we have our identity theft breached, right? I mean, money is obviously a big part of our life here. And to me, self, you know, confess, I maybe too much, but we don't, but we don't seem to want to care about this part of it, right? Uh, it's, at least that's what I got from it. What, what? It's better in your words. Why don't you go ahead? Well, first that. That story that we just heard, it gives me so much hope 
Yeah, exactly. You know, right. <laughs> that it's not just lights out, curtain call, we're done. Right. right. But my I, this past week, I, and I actually got to share in the experience, which was a little scary. Um, my mom got taken for one of those scams, right? Somebody sent her an email saying they were her internet security company, had the right name, said, give us a call at this number. And she called them. Apparently, they said her internet security uh, ran out and she needed to re-up it for $90. Long story short, um, they drug this phone thing out and this transaction thing out where they, you know, because it's your internet security. So when they tell you they need to get access to your computer, yeah, to they're do an savvy. Update, you know, you, it just really, really sounded normal. And in my head, I've seen enough of these um, being a business owner, you get a lot of crap. Um, I recognize it right away as a scam. And they had full access to her computer. By the time she realized what was going on, they they had her her account numbers. And <clears throat> my dad was losing his mind in the background. I mean, come completely unglued, screaming at her to hang up the phone. And she was so into the the thing, the scam, that she was just wrapped in. She had no clue. She drove to the bank, was ready to do a withdrawal, and. Finally, you know, the banker got a hold of her and they put an end to it all. And all was safe. All their money was safe. And we'll see how much information they got off the computer. But it's sent them into such a panicky tailspin for the past four days where they have waking up at 1.30 in the morning and just, oh, my gosh, we didn't change this password or that password. Just a sheer panic. And it, I, I had read something in the Bible I don't remember. I'm all over the place in it right now, but it was, it was essentially, um, it was, don't be afraid of the people who can only take your life. Hmm. We should fear much more God who can, who can send you to yeah. hell. Well, I called it, 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 I called it Rod, uh, eternity theft. We talk about ID theft. Eternity theft is right. man, you're giving it away where, uh, your pride's going to get away that you, you, you don't want this, this, uh, paradise that's promised. Right. And it uh, gave me a gut check though of like all of us here in this right now would, would probably say, Oh, I would feel very like my, my sense of security was taken away. You know, yeah, I'd feel very violated. I would be in a panic cause that's your life savings or they're retired. That's their life savings. You know, all this stuff, what could they do with my identity and this, that, and the other? we would all be that panicky. Yeah. But I couldn't think of a time I panicked that hard on whether or not I'm saved. Hmm. And that scared me more because it made me feel like I wasn't taking it as seriously as it was. And then how many people in my life that I truly, truly care about that I love dearly, don't take it as seriously as it is. And it gives me that, that sense of, uh, uh, not anxiety, but, but that sense of like, we got to hurry up and we got to realize it. Thank you, Rod. I appreciate that. And for the listener, I think multiple avenues of that's going to resonate with you. Um, uh, just know this, there is hope. <laughs> There's absolutely hope. And, and this is where we're certainly going to encourage you to, to tune in more. Um, 13 million people out of body experience can't be wrong. And, and, um, Casey, I'm going to lean on you momentarily, but I, I guess I get the vision of of the thief that that had a hard life and 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 didn't have the best life technically, if we're going to put it in earthly terms. 
but he ends up confessing uh, with Jesus on the cross there at the end. And Jesus tells him something pretty simple that gives me also a ton of hope about how quick this turns around. Um, but it, it, it's something we do. I just don't think we do a good enough job, though, of selling the hope. And, and, and anyone that's listening to this that's lost a loved one, just know at least the, 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 the joy, at least the, this, this times 50 or what. How, they can't even further quite explain this paradise, how amazing it is. And how many people who love this earth so much and want to go back, but once they got a taste of it, like, I don't want to go back. But then they were told they, they do need to go back, that their businesses are done, and part of the business is to share hope about uh, what this heaven really is. So anyway, we're, we're in OT for sure. I'm going to put us in the one-minute challenge for the most part. But uh, Casey, any verses that come to mind or, or you want to, should we at least touch upon uh, what, what Jesus did tell that thief? His promise to him at the end. Oh man, I have so much to share, Tom. I don't, I can't do. The one <laughs> All right, we'll go challenge. a little bit beyond one minute challenge because go, go ahead, buddy. And we, we okay. might wrap on this unless uh, Marcus Grant or G or anyone well, else got something to say. Let me tell you a personal story. Um, so my mom, she was recently diagnosed with um, pre-cancer cells. Yeah. Uh, and and we weren't really sure what that meant. Um, the doctors were still waiting on results. So I gave her a call and started talking to her and started talking to her about uh, death and, and things of that nature. And she told me a story that I've never heard before. Mm. And she said, you know, Casey, I know God has me on this earth for a reason. Um, when I was eight years old, we were playing. My grandparents are, were farmers. And she said her and her sister were out playing by the uh, the tractor, and she got ran over at the age of eight. She got ran over by the hay sled, which could be hundreds or thousands of pounds. Um, and she stopped breathing, mm. and her heart stopped. And my my grandma, her mom was was working in the medical field, and so she started doing chest compressions as as my grandpa drove them to the hospital. And she said she remembers sitting up out of her body and looking over my grandpa's shoulder and she could see the cars they were passing. She started describing um, how fast he was going. She started describing all of these things. And so she had an out-of-body experience herself. And she's had so many encounters with with near-death experience with a blood clot in her lungs and all of these other things. And so she's like, I know God has me on this planet for a reason. And I don't know what it is, but I know that there's a heaven as well. And Hmm. so... It is very, I mean, yeah, near-death experiences are far more um, likely than, than you'd think. Uh, but yeah, 13 as, million just in this country alone, that's pretty wild stat. I, did you know that stat, by the way? I did not know that stat. Well, we, we talked about uh, the Imagine Heaven book. You might remember. We did, but I never that. read it. That, that's where I'm guilty of it. So uh, go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. Uh, so to talk about actual... Heaven. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, was asked, what does this resurrection of the body look like? Because here's the truth. We all, we all truly, we're all going to die, and we know that. Right. But what, what does it look like when our bodies are actually going to be raised? And so in 1 Corinthians 15, <clears throat> Paul talks about this, and he says, not all flesh is the same. Man has one kind of flesh, and animals have another, and birds have another, and not all bodies are of the same glory, um, just as 
the sun has its glory <clears throat> and the moon has its glory. And so we're going to each have our own. Uh, so our bodies here on this earth are of a certain type of glory. We know that we are above animals and animals are above trees. But when we die, he talks about the seed and he says, the seed, our bodies are like the seed that goes into the ground. And we know that the seed has to die. Now, the seed is not mm. the plant. Our bodies are not us. And so our bodies have to die in order for true life to come to existence, the true us to come to existence. And so just as that seed goes into the ground, it dies. And then when the seed dies, the true plant actually grows up. And that's the true life. But I also think about this death as as us being in the womb. Um, so if you think about the child in the womb, they're alive, but they they can't taste anything because the food's going through their umbilical cord. They can't really see. They can see like reddish tints, and that's about it. They can't hear to the fullest. But when they're born, you get to taste what it tastes like to have carne asada and ice cream. You get to experience what sex feels like in that experience, and you get to hear the beauty of music and all of these things. And that is a higher quality of life. Now, when we get to heaven, the food is going to be un unbelievable. I mean, the experience that we're going to have is unbelievable. But that's true life. I love it, We Casey. actually get to heaven. Thank uh, you. Uh, one, I knew one you'd... last thing. Yeah, please. We, we all live. I want to say this. Mm. We, we all will die but not all of us will truly live. And so I want to be clear, just because you die does not mean that you are going to truly live. There is both eternal life and there is both eternal death. You are going to exist forever. But the question is, are you going to live in eternal death where you are constantly getting more selfish and more greedy and more hateful and more about you? Or are you going to live in eternal life where you are getting more generous and more kind and more others-focused and more God-focused and where you care about more about him than about you because that's true life that's what's that's the difference between heaven and hell it's not about the location it's about are you increasing or decreasing in these attributes mm -hmm. thank you casey i think one of the best definitions of hell i ever heard was it's just it's a it's you're choosing a life without god and by the way it is your choice uh which which, which way you want to go for those that are definitely choosing um, heaven and hope for a better life and putting faith into it, well, there you go. I mean, now is it written in the Bible? In case you just grabbed one verse, there's so many more. Uh, Jesus told that thief, by the way, on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Um, yeah, it can it can be that easy. You just need to choose. It's uh, And then you got 13 million Americans having out-of-body uh, experiences that have actually died and been resuscitated, about the same that it looks like in Europe. Uh, this is real. And again, I'm going to caution the atheist is getting a pride in the way of saying, well, really, what, your story's better, that, that you're just worm food and that's it? You're just a seed and you're going to stay in the ground forever? Um, that's a terrible story. But there's too many. There's now too many testimonies about this, about uh, uh, life uh, after your death here in the broken planet. And by the way, I like Casey, I like you bring that in too. You enjoy, this, you enjoy this broken planet? I do. I love seafood. I love... Uh, I love hiking. I love getting in the mountains. I love fishing. Uh, there's definitely parts of this earth that I love and I really hold on to. Um, it's hard to imagine, but there's a world that is that times a million. And you get to choose then which one you want to stay in. 
and, and, and go. So Casey, so thank you so much. I, I think we'll wrap on that point. Word. We love hope. Fry dudes are in the hope and encouragement business. And it's one thing for a random podcast to give hope, which by the way, I believe it is not an accident that you're listening to this right now. But factor in, how about the millions of Americans that can vouch for what happened after they died and then when we're resuscitated, uh, brought back to life? You have to factor that in. Even the atheist has to factor that in. Intrigued? Good. For everything you are concerned about on this broken planet, eternity and what happens after you die should be number one. So I'm going to encourage you to check out the book, Imagine Heaven. If you'd like to hear more of that episode featuring the author, John Burke, uh, check out, go to Holding On to the Hope of Heaven. That was republished on uh, Focus on the Family on December 2nd, 2020. You can also find the uh, episode link on our frydudes.com show page. If you'd like to find more verses in the Bible, the owner's manual, as we call it, on the subject, uh, G, G recommends Philippians uh, 3.20. Casey had mentioned 1 Corinthians uh, 15. Uh, just go to Book of John. There's a ton in there. And uh, one of my favorites uh, I've mentioned a few times now is Revelations 21.4, which says, God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So if you're wondering about your loved ones, this is the world they experience. No more tears, no more pain, um, feeling alive, more alive than they ever have. That's the description. So at least have some peace on that. I'm not saying you're not supposed to miss them. Of course you are. That's, that's an impact of the love they've made on your heart. And then, of course, uh, when in doubt, bet on hope. This is, you love them so much, wouldn't you want to be in eternity with them? Of course. Of course you would. And that's, that's where we aim. That is the future and the destiny, if you so choose. And again, I'd be remiss if I, if you're not sure about all this, then Again, I have a simple prayer. I usually end it on most of them. And, and for the, the diehards that know this already, just stick with me. Or actually, I'll just challenge you then to, to share this then with someone else that you're not so sure about on where they are on this choice. And that is just simply, Heavenly Father, thank you for the promise of no more tears and no more death and no more pain in Revelations 21 4. Um, thank you for the promise of an everlasting life. Thank you for allowing some people to actually experience this realm to I'm not going to give necessarily thanks for death, but that they can come back. You gave them a shot to come back to, to explain how amazing, how amazing this, this heaven really is. And uh, once we get a taste of that, this broken planet is nothing compared to that. So heavenly father, I lift up to you, take the promise of John three sixteen. I'll take it. I know I have my doubts. You know I have my doubts. But you say, even with my doubts, you will accept me if I take this gift. So thank you for that. Lift it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, it all begins. 
I'm seeing my life for the very first time through a different lens. Yesterday, I didn't understand. Driving 35 with the rocket inside, didn't know what I had. While I've been waiting to live, my life's been waiting on me. I'm gonna run, no, I'm gonna fly. I'm gonna know what it means to live and not just be alive. The world's gonna hear, cause I'm gonna shout. Not enough is what I've been told, but it must be a lie, the spirit inside says I'm so much more, so let them say what they want, oh I dare them to try. Shit!